Hello, brother. I'm Grace. Hello, brother. I'm Stephanie. And this is Doppelgangers. Today, we're talking about season seven, episode 17 of The Vampire Diaries, which is called I Went to the Woods. That he did. That he did. And, you know, this was a fun app. I'm starting to see the vision this season. I'm in it now. This is a really great episode. And I think a part of it is we didn't deal with any time jump bullshit. Yeah. This storyline could have just as easily happened in the current day. I don't know why we had to do the time jump. They just wanted to break up Staraline. They, they just they didn't have another storyline for why Valerie would still be there. Yeah. And also, again, I feel like you didn't need to do the time jump to break up Staraline. The babies could have been their own thing to break up Staraline. Probably wanted like child actors instead of babies. Yeah, they didn't want to have to reference newborn babies. Yeah, at least with Which, toddlers, like you can be like, oh, yeah, they're in the other room playing. I also do believe there's another reason, but it's not one I can comment on at this time. Sure. This is also I mean, this is very goofy because a couple times earlier this season, we talked about like what would happen if the stone were destroyed. And I did say at one point, do you think all the souls would like Scooby Doo to people? And you said, no, I set you up. I wanted you. I wanted you to say no to it. I think I brought up the idea, but I think I said it wasn't going to happen. You were not saying it was going to happen. You were noncommittal. Yeah, because I didn't feel confident about it. And you shouldn't have, because on paper, it's a goofy thing to happen. But it is an interesting thing to do here, particularly if you use it well, which I think they do. Well, there is a a benefit, you know, not only of these two, which is fun to split the storyline over two episodes and, you know, to let Paul Wesley do his Silas bag again. Mm -hmm. But also, like, you could... Frankly, they could have cut the Julian stuff and kept this going for a while. Like Criminal Minds at one point, there's like a prison break. So they have to recatch a bunch of serial killers, which like, you know, they only redid episodes of the interesting ones. That's the thing is, I think this is primarily the season is bogged down and the good things don't get time to flourish. It's the same way we talked about in season five, that the really good parts of season five get cut off in service of a storyline that's bad. Yeah. But now we're getting like the better stuff near the end and we've been bogged down all season. It's like, why couldn't we have done this before? Like we weren't really getting anything from Norman Mary Louise anyway. Like as standable as they were, we weren't getting anything. And then, I mean, it's just like we spend so much time with the Phoenix Stone and the first time when they go into hell, like Damon has some interesting stuff, but it's largely inconsequential. Yeah, it's more like finishing up the mom storyline, which lasted forever anyway. Yeah, I will also say we have begun a new chapter in this episode, but similarly to the Reina chapter, they don't reference the thing this chapter is named after at all in this episode, actually. So I'm not even going to make you guess because you won't even be able to guess because the thing that this chapter is about, so they say, not even tangentially mentioned. Because you thought maybe it would be the Marty chapter. I said that as a joke, and you know I said that as a joke. <laughs> Don't even Based pretend. on this episode, what would you have guessed the chapter would be, knowing that you're, not, you're wrong? I'm not making you guess. I just uh, want to think what you think this... Something like soul-related, like if there's yeah. a term for like soul-jumping. Oh, that's yeah. not the right term, but if there were a term for it. It's yeah. the Scooby-Doo chapter. Literally. It's the Spooky Island chapter. <laughs> really? And the main villain of this one is a sleeper. It's it's Scrappy-Doo. Yeah. Spoilers for this (laughs) Scooby-Doo live action movie that came out in what, 2002? (laughs) Sorry to spoil it. Sorry to spoil it. It was Scrappy. (laughs) So much to get into this week. Before we get into any of it, here's a quick ad. 
I will start, as always, by reading the synopsis from Vampire Diaries Wiki. In the aftermath of his brother's fateful decision, Stefan awakens to find himself thrown into a life-or-death situation with only his basic instincts to rely on. With time working against him, he sets off on a journey of survival while forced to confront a lifetime of irreversible damage Damon has done to their relationship. Meanwhile, desperate to save his brother, Damon follows an unusual lead he has come across while Matt sends Valerie to Dallas to enlist Alaric's help in search for Stefan. Finally, when Raina discovers the emergence of a new threat, she sets off on her own mission to find Stefan before the others do. Everyone wants a piece of Stefan this week. Me too, queens. Me too. <laughs> I'll, I'll get in line. Yeah. Sign <laughs> me up. If you were in line to get Stefan, stay in line. Stay in line. We open the episode, where else? The middle of the road. We always know it's going to be good when we're in the road. So at first I was like, okay, I can tell that's not Damon laying down. But I was like, Stefan wouldn't do this. So I was like, maybe this is a fun thing the Phoenix Stone is doing. But I also was like, did Damon put his body in the middle of the road? <laughs> Got nervous for a second. This is, I mean, they make it unclear for a while what exactly is happening here. And I think it's a really great choice to, although Stefan is not in his body, to have Paul Wesley play him. Because mm-hmm. in the past, they have had people play like other people with people in their bodies. And I think it's much better communicated keeping Paul Wesley here. Yeah, well, and I think especially in this beginning part, because like Paul Wesley doesn't know he's not Paul Wesley right now. That would be weird if we're like, who's this guy? And I will, as we go through the scene, talk about what I thought was happening at the time, because yeah. I was it was a roller coaster of what I thought was happening. It was fun to watch your face trying to figure out what was happening. There's like a Rubik's Cube up there. Yeah. And I'm he- not good at Rubik's Cubes. <laughs> when Stefan comes to, he has a cut on his head and he's in a new outfit. But again, when... Damon woke up in hell. He was in a new outfit and had a cut on his head. Like this very well could have been the Phoenix Stone. That's what I was like. Well, maybe he's in the Phoenix Stone. And we know the time in the Phoenix Stone like is not the same timeline in the real world. So he could have had a quick hell experience before the stone exploded. And like I did clock the cut. I was like, oh, he's not healing. But that's not necessarily something that like wouldn't happen in the Phoenix Stone, you know? Yeah. And he could have like blood on his head, even if it's not a cut. And it is like, you know, we know the Phoenix Stone exploded, but we don't know how literal like in the stone means. Like, is it a realm that the stone transports them to? Mm -hmm. So it's all a little open ended at the beginning. Stefan sees he's in the middle of the road. He sees a bunch of broken car pieces. He hears screaming. There's a total Jeep and a bus on fire. And the Jeep is like on its side and there's like a, a dead guy hanging out. Yeah, but there are people in the bus screaming. So Stefan runs to the bus. It should also be mentioned that Stefan only has one shoe on. Yeah, it flew off in the wreck. And the cops did not give him his shoe back. Even when they didn't know he was a suspect. Classic cops. Um, (laughs) Stefan runs to the bus. He breaks in. He carries a couple people out. And then he hears sirens and cop cars approach. We jump a little bit later. He's sitting on a gurney. He's got an oxygen mask on, an emergency blanket, and an EMT is like checking up on him. And she says, okay, breathe slow. Being dizzy is normal. Keep your foot off the ground. We're in a cold snap. You know, weather folks say temperatures are a record low. What's your name? Before we get a shot of the EMT, it's a woman's voice. I was like, oh, he's in the Hellstone. This is showing us what happens when he kills Penny. So I thought this was Penny for a second. It wasn't. No. Not at all. Different woman. Different state even. Yeah. Not even a little bit, Penny. (laughs) She says, what's your name? And Stefan says, I don't remember. And the EMT says, "Okay, well, let's take a look at you. She looks and there's a big cut on his neck. She says, oh, 
wow, you know, whoever you are, you're one lucky SOB. You're the first person I've met to survive a gash to the carotid. So he's a big wound on his neck. Yeah, would normally bleed out. And was that a clue to you at all? Or did you just say, well? Well, it didn't look as close to the carotid. So I was like, I don't know about that. But it is, you know, (laughs) where the carotid continues. So I was suspicious of her. I thought, wow, good thing Stefan landed in a body that survived a fiery car crash. He didn't really. (laughs) Stefan sees some bodies being transported in like body bags. So they're dead. And the EMT says, hey, like, take it from me. Even heroes can't save them all. And Stefan says, what did you just call me? And the EMT says, a hero. That's what those cheerleaders are saying anyway. I'm keeping them at bay till I've ruled out concussive amnesia. And he says, now that you said the word hero, I remember my name. Stefan Salvatore. Oh, now that she said the word cheerleaders. <laughs> he's being creepy. No, he wasn't. No, He's never I'm been kidding. creepy to cheerleaders. Don't you do that. <laughs> Don't kidding. you do that. <laughs> the EMT says, oh, there we go. Do you know where you are, Stefan? And Stefan says, as a matter of fact, I do. I'm in hell. And she's like, that's a weird thing to say. I just called you a hero. But okay. We go over to the airfield in Texas, where a lot of our events last week took place. Damon is sitting with Stefan's dead body, as we saw it last week. And then we see Valerie at the crash site of Nora and Mary Louise. She has the sword that is like pretty charred and torched, but it doesn't have the stone in it. And Damon approaches Valerie and Valerie says they didn't know. Damon says didn't know what. And Valerie says that Raina had stabbed Stefan, that his spirit was already trapped in the Phoenix Stone. They probably thought they were doing the world a favor. Actually, they didn't think of Stefan at all, if you can believe it. All the love in the world. Like, first of all, they did kind of do the world a favor. And two, even if they had known Stefan was in there, I don't think it would have changed matters. They were more concerned about the fact that Nora had been murked and Mary Louise was dying. Yeah. They weren't thinking about you. They were focused on themselves. They were in a relationship and deeply in love and also engaged, by the way. One also, why would they think about you? They've been kidnapped for three years and you haven't even tried to find them. Damon says, well, that's awfully generous of you, not of them, considering they never gave a damn about anyone else other than each other. I can't blame them again. I mean, no one tried to save them. Sorry, they're in love. And also coming from Damon, who only gives a fuck about Elena. Damon, you and Elena also like died together in a fiery car wreck. So you can't really talk shit on this. Yeah. Damon says, so if you're done mourning Thelma and Mary Louise, I think we should get out of here. And Valerie says, I'm not going anywhere with you. You could have prevented this. Number one, so could you. And number two, well, he didn't. So let's move on. Like, sure, we can spend all day assigning blame. But like, what good is that doing now? Like, this is where we are. Valerie says, all you had to do is take Stefan's scar and put your brother first for once in your life. Number one, taking Stefan's scar is not a small thing. But also number two, Damon has put Stefan first plenty of times that Valerie doesn't know about. Like when Damon decided not to go to war because he thought it would be fun to kill people with his brother. And Lexi was like, no, that's actually a selfish decision. And he said, I see. Well, and also number three, Damon tried to take Stefan's scar. You didn't do the spell in time. Well, is because he pushed it off. But it's not like he didn't try to take it eventually when it came down to the wire. Yeah, but him delaying that choice for so long is the reason. Like, you know, it took him as long as it took him to figure out that was an option and get Stefan back from Reyna. Like, Valerie delayed that choice a whole year. Yeah, but look, I blame Valerie as much for this as possible, but I don't blame her for not doing the transfer spell fast enough. I I mean, I just think she can't be mad at Damon for not taking the scar when he did 
when it came down to the wire, offered to take it, even though it was a big loss to him. And yeah, the timing was too late. But she can be mad. It's just stupid to be mad because she again, she also could have prevented this. So again, rather than like choosing who to blame here, because they're both at fault in different ways. Yeah. Like both of them contributed greatly to this failure. Oh, yeah. I think Um, she has every right to be mad about the selfishness. I just think she doesn't have a leg to stand on timing wise. I think she can be mad about the timing, too. I just think like there's no point in either of them being pissed off about the events of earlier today. It's over. It's over. Move on. Yeah, figure out the next step. Which is what Damon says. You know, Damon says, I'm trying to make it right, which is why we have to find Reyna and get Stefan's soul back in his body. And Valerie says, the stone is destroyed, Damon, and Stefan with it. And Damon says, mm, no, we actually don't know that. And Valerie says, yes, we do if we have logic and a sense of reason and a brain. And I see where she's getting this logic. But Damon says, well, I see it differently. Because if Stefan is dead, then I'm responsible, which means I'm going to spend the rest of eternity haunted and doing penance and seeing my own self-loathing reflected in everyone else's actual loathing. And I'm not ready for any of those things. Ergo, he's not dead. Try it my way. It's less depressing. Now, Damon is right that they don't know enough about the Phoenix Stone to confirm that Stefan is dead or not yet. But this reasoning doesn't make me feel better because this reasoning is basically I'm in denial. But... At least he's he's going through grief like a normal person. And also, given the experience Damon has had, like, this isn't the first time they've thought Stefan is dead. And Stefan's popped back up every time in some way or another. So it's kind of like, we might as well keep moving, assuming there's a way out of it. That's true. I will say, and I don't want to, you're making me be a Valerie defender more than I want to (laughs) be. Going through grief like a normal person, it's normal for Valerie to be sad. Well, no, I, I'm saying it's like it's normal for her to be sad, but it's not crazy that Damon jumped to denial. Yeah, exactly. How about you deny a little bit, Valerie? Well, <laughs> depression makes people so lazy. Don't I can make, make that be- joke because I'm depressed. Don't make me be a Valerie defender on the mic. Don't make me do that. You're putting me in a bad position. Well, if if you're defending Valerie, that's up to you. You said grieve like a normal person and she's crying her boyfriend's dead. That's, that's no, rude. She's taking it out on Damon. He's taking it out on her just as much. Well, but it's they're, her fault. So. Well, they're, bo- no, they're both at fault. They're both wrong. They're both taking it out yeah. on each other. Both of them need to move on. See, it, it's a combination of me not liking Valerie and being a staunch Damon defender that makes me be like, she's doing everything wrong. He's just doing his best. They're both doing bad. Yeah. Neither of them are doing their best. But Damon's, you know, making some actionable moves. So is Valerie. She will, just not at this current moment. Don't make me be a Valerie defender. Only if you want to be. You're making me. Because you keep acting like she's (laughs) doing nothing. You're making me defend Valerie on mic. I don't like it. Valerie says, I see I've been charitable in assuming you have a brain. And Damon says, okay, you can keep being a Debbie Downer or do a locator spell and help me find Reyna. What do you say? And she starts to walk away. And he says, where are you going? And she says, I'm going to do what you just told me to do, but without you. And she invisic ways. And he says, really? Now, they should stick together. Mm-hmm. But Damon is being rude to Valerie, so I can't blame her for wanting. I mean, this is the mess that Valerie has made coming to rear its ugly head because the relationship she has built in her head with Stefan is that she is everything to Stefan and Stefan is everything to her. So she does not want to collaborate. And that is a failing. Mm-hmm. Well, and also, she doesn't want to admit that this idea Damon had actually has some legs to it. I mean, she doesn't want to admit that Damon's ever been right at all, because then it makes her keeping Stefan away from him more nefarious. Yeah, because she knows it's selfish, but she's like, well, it's selfish, but like, it's because I have his best interest at heart. And she truly thinks that. But if she gets evidence that that's not true, then that's an issue for her. 
Exactly. Because she did think of this transfer spell far enough in advance that she could have fixed it, but she didn't. Yeah. So she's already blaming herself for that. So it's nice to blame Damon. But if she stands and talks to Damon and blames too much, he's going to keep blaming her because, again, they're both at fault. So they're both going to want to blame the other one to cover up their own guilt. So why be in a car with him if you don't have to? I get why she would leave. Yeah. And if they work together, then they both would have to admit that they both are part of the failure of today's events. Exactly. Everyone gets their own job today. Yeah. We go back to the bus crash site. Stefan is still talking to the EMT. He says, I don't get it. My failed attempt at being a hero, the dead bodies. Like, what's the lesson here? And the EMT says, I'm not sure I'm following you. The EMT is like, I don't know. Like, I just give you bandages, man. Like, I'm not a therapist. Stefan says, I remember being stabbed by the Phoenix Sword, which means this is all some sort of looping nightmare custom made for my own psyche. The EMT says, you know what? Maybe I was a little hasty in my checkup. Can you look straight ahead? Mm -hmm. She's like, you know what? You're being weird now. Stefan says, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm just like really not in the mood for charades. So can we just skip to the torture, please? And he says, hey, officers, why don't we just get on with it, huh? Which, you know, honestly is what a drunk guy would say. Yeah, unfortunately, (laughs) it is goading them a little bit. Yeah, the EMT says, hey, sit down. You're not making any sense. An officer approaches because he's starting to piece together the crime scene here. Yeah. And he says, Murdy Hammond. And Stefan says, no, but okay. (laughs) He says, uh, (laughs) fine. Which unfortunately is like what a drunk guy would say, but also a normal reaction to being in hell. Unfortunately, that Venn diagram is a circle at this moment. Well, it's a normal reaction to be like, that's not my name. Like, why would you think that's me? But it's also like, well, I already think this guy's drunk. And he's acting drunk. Yeah. And this is when I was like, okay, he's in a different, he's in a different body. Mm -hmm. The officer says, well, that's what it says on this license. And Stefan says, yeah, I believe you, but that's not my wallet. And the EMT says, okay, so possible memory loss. And the officer says, have you been drinking, sir? And Stefan says, oh, I got it. I'm a vampire with control issues. Alcoholism is a metaphor for my bloodlust. See, now we're getting somewhere. And he gets it. This is He's giving us the thesis of the Stefan Salvatore system. He's like, this is a different Phoenix Stone system than my last hell. I get it. It's a little more conceptual. Okay, I'm, yeah. I'm following. Julie Pluck said, do you guys get it that alcoholism is a comparison for being a ripper? Yeah, girl. We saw it. I'm on board, queen. The officer says, hey, sir, can you stand up for me? And Stefan says, why? We're going to a warmer hellscape? And the officer says, maybe. First, I'm going to have to ask you to walk in a straight line. At this point, Stefan's like, really? My hell is doing DUI tests? Yeah, this is when it finally dawns on it, on him. He's like, this guy thinks I'm drunk. And he's <laughs> like, and that's not really a hell reaction to me. Huh. Mm-hmm. We go over to the grill. Matt is sitting there. It is worth noting that we are post-time jump at the grill. There's a bartender and people in the background. So maybe the town's okay. <laughs> like maybe people moved back home in the time jump. Something that they haven't addressed, mind you. Which would be a great reason to use the time jump. I mean, I guess when Matt like kicked Stefan out of town, he probably like lifted the evacuation order. I assume he has the authority to do that as the one cop in town. I assume that as well. But it's interesting that we haven't gotten any confirmation considering that was like a big part of life. Yeah. We time jump and now we just haven't addressed it. Yeah. Everyone was just out of their homes for like six months and we're just not going to touch it. Yeah. Okay. Matt gets a call and says, hello. And it's Raina on a payphone. And Raina says, Matt, I need help. And he says, Raina. He says, girl, didn't I do enough? And it's like, Raina, this is this is who you have in your corner, girl. Well, who else does she have? No, that's no, that's what I'm saying. This is the only person she has in her corner right now. It's like, okay, it's not looking amazing for you right now. Yeah, she doesn't seem happy with the circumstances. Yeah. 
Raina says, you're the only person I trust. And Matt says, did you put Stefan back in the stone? And she says, well, yeah, but, and he says, we have nothing to talk about. I did my part. I'm out. She says, no, you actually don't understand. Those bitches destroyed the stone. He's free. They're all free. And Matt says, oh, what are you talking about? Raina, what do you mean free? Stefan's going to be mad at me because I did not hide my face. Poor Matt. He can never really get rid of people the way he wants to. Like the time he tried to drive Enzo across the anti-magic border right as it disappeared. And now he puts Stefan in the stone right as it explodes. Like things are not looking good for Matt Donovan. The universe is not on his side. He's like, like, is Mercury in retrograde or something? (laughs) Always for him. Yeah. Valerie appears behind Raina and says, go ahead and answer him. What do you mean free? Girl, you could have just stood back there and eavesdropped. Like, you didn't really need to tackle her. I mean, tackle her after, to be sure, and trap her. But, like, you could have just listened. She was already in the middle of it. Yeah, you'll hear all the same information. Raina drops the phone. And then we go back over to the airfield really quick where Damon has gone to, you know, get Stefan's body. But Stefan's body is now gone. And it's like, oh. So then you really started thinking he was not in his body. No, at this point, I was confident he wasn't in his body. I felt then what did you think happened to Stefan's body? I, I thought Valerie took it. Okay. Like, I thought she invisiquated to go to the locator spell and took his body. Fair enough. Until, you know, we see that that didn't happen. Yeah. Damon gets in the car and he calls Valerie and gets her voicemail. Her voicemail says, this is Valerie and now you speak. Boo. Hate it. I know she thinks that's so fucking funny. I know. Damon says, Valerie, I don't know why you took Stefan's body, but if anything happens to my brother... And then Damon looks out the front window and Stefan's just walking along the side of the road or so he thinks. Damon says, never mind, and he hangs up. And this guy's just like, I don't know, I guess I'll walk, see what I run into. And I guess this car is a car. And then he sees a cool car pull up who's excited to see him and he's like, okay, I, I get what's happening. I can be quiet. Worst case scenario, I'll feed on him. Yeah. We go back over to the crash site. Stefan's walked in a straight line and the officer says, nice work, Marty, back to me. At the payphone, Raina says, I can hear, like, all the voices. Valerie says, what are you talking about? And Raina says, they're just coming from everywhere, the voices. Yeah, she's like, what, what do you think that means? I can hear all the voices. Yeah. It's not really that complex. At the crash site, Stefan is doing, like, the nose DUI test, you know, and says, what's this supposed to prove? And the officer says that you were under the influence when you were driving the bus. Because, again, <laughs> it is drunk person behavior to be mid-DUI test asking what the test is supposed to prove yeah like mm, Stefan, let's keep your mouth shut on this one when they presumably have your bus driver license and there was a bus crash put the pieces together buddy i know it's a lot right now but it, again he thinks he's in the phoenix stone so he doesn't think it's real so like even if he messes up this interaction he's like oh i'll just get to start over whatever exactly like he has no reason to take this seriously just unfortunate timing <laughs> At the payphone, Raina says, you know, when you destroyed the Phoenix Stone, all the souls inside escaped, scattered, and I can hear them alive, every one of them. And Valerie says, you're saying every vampire you ever killed with that sword is now wandering the earth. On the road, Damon pulls up next to Stefan, fake Stefan, and says, what happened to you? And fake Stefan gets in and says, I'm not sure. I mean, this guy lucked the fuck out landing in a vampire body. Yes. I know he woke up and was like, okay. And also, he's very smart. And I always have said this. If you are in the wrong body, keep that to yourself as much as you can. He can tell that Damon knows him. Yeah. So he's like, I'm just going to let him think he knows me. And he does a pretty good job faking it, you know, given the amount of information he has about Stefan. There are a couple giveaways, but it's not like crazy. 
Yeah. And Damon believes it for quite some time. Yeah. Not forever, but longer than I was believing it, to be sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I knew it wasn't him, I guess, so that's not really fair. But still. We go over to the crash site, the bus crash site, and Stefan says, I woke up in the middle of the road and I saw the bus on fire. That is exactly what a drunk guy who crashed a bus would say. <laughs> yeah, they're like, oh, so you don't even remember the accident now. Yeah, the officer says, yeah, you're a real hero, Marty, saving half the kids from the accident you caused. And Stefan says, why do you keep calling me Marty? Stefan's like, see, this is, I think, the point of confusion is I'm not Marty. So if Marty crashed the bus, that sucks to be him. That's Marty's <laughs> business. I get it. Marty does not sound good. You should go find him. <laughs> Wherever he is, get him and arrest him. Get him off the streets. <laughs> we go over to the payphone. Reyna says, I burned all the original bodies, which means the Stones prisoners are in random corpses. Vampire, human, it doesn't matter. The spirits fled scattershot into the first piece of dead flesh they could find. So they really did Scooby-Doo. And a point of clarification is they went into corpses. So they went into already dead human bodies. They didn't take like a person who was just living their life. Exactly. And all I need to know from this, Bo got out, baby. He probably dies in three days because he probably landed in a human. But I would like to believe, because I don't think they'll address it. I would like to believe he landed in an opera singer's body and gets to live out that life. That'd be nice. Or at least do you think, it, at least it would be nice if he landed a body where he could just sing, even if he's not good. Yeah, like a vampire body, but then he gets to go to karaoke. Well, I was going to say a human body and he can just sing for three days. Like, I guess that's true. He I just want him to be able forever. to sing again. Yeah. I would like him to not be dead if I if I could pick. Well, yeah, if I could pick, I don't want him to be dead, but let's let's all be realistic here. Well, I hope then if he lands in human body, I hope it's one that can sing. Yes. So he doesn't have to teach it, you know? Yeah. We go back into the car. Damon says, do you remember anything? And fake Stefan says, no, nothing. Sorry, do I know you? He's like, not yet. You want to give me some clues to, to kind of build a narrative around? Yeah. We go to a payphone. And we go back to the payphone and Valerie says, I don't give a damn about a bunch of old vampire souls. Where did Stefan end up? Could you at least ask about Bo? <laughs> That's your best friend. That was your favorite heretic. We go back over to the crash site. The officer holds out a breathalyzer and Stefan says, well, what if I refuse to take the test? Now, you know damn well what the answer is. <laughs> and it's unclear. I think he's pretty sure he's not in the Hellstone, but I think he's like, mm. On the off chance I'm in person, I better not give them a, a reading on this. Yeah, I think he's still like he has no other alternative that he thinks is realistic, but he's not sure he's in the Hellstone either. So he's yeah. a little bit confused. Yeah, he's like, it, it seems like you guys are taking this really seriously for hell, but maybe, maybe... that's hell. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't interact with other people in hell last time. It was just me and my brother drowning. So like, I don't really know the lore that you guys build here. And that's fair. The officer says, well, you're not giving me much of a choice. And then he slams him against the car. Cops love to do that. Yeah. He said, finally get to beat this dude up. Thank God. We go back to the payphone and Valerie says, Reyna, where did Stefan go? And Reyna says, yeah, he could be anywhere. He could be anyone. Reyna's like, I am hearing all the voices. Like, I don't fucking know. Yeah. We go back to the crash site and the officer says, Marty Hammond, you're under arrest for a DUI. And Stefan says, my name is Stefan. And the officer says, calm down. And as, you know, Stefan is being pushed against the car, getting handcuffed, he gets a peek in the rearview mirror. And it is not Paul Wesley. It's not Stefan. It's yeah. who we know to be Marty Hammond. 
The actor's name is Ryan Dorsey, and he is doing I quite saw, well for himself. I saw that name in the credits, and I recognized it. Ryan Dorsey, I recognized the name too immediately. Wait, and I, I think I know how I know him, but you say it. Well, I'll look through the IMDb because I don't remember what I know him from. I'm pretty sure he's the one who was married to Naya Rivera. Oh, I think you might be right. Let me check. Yeah, he's <gasps> uh, the father of Naya Rivera's baby, and so he's raising well, Josie now. That's why we know his name. That's why we know his he's, name. He's been on a lot of stuff on IMDb, but I recognized the name and I couldn't figure out why. And the IMDb didn't have anything that I was like, oh, I would know his name from this. But here's what you all may know him from. He was on Big Sky, five episodes. He's also in a number of procedurals, Chicago PD, Magnum PI, 911, Station 19, like one ep- at a time, The Rookie, Stumptown. Remember Stumptown? Actually, uh, he was in three episodes of Stumptown. Oh. All Rise, SWAT. He's also been on four episodes of Yellowstone, four episodes of Bosch, four episodes of Ray Donovan, an episode of Nashville, Major Crimes, five episodes of Pitch, 10 episodes of Justified, an episode of Shameless, a lot of big shows, an episode of The Mentalist, an episode of Perks and Recreation. So he's been in a ton of stuff and he works. And that's that. I'm glad you said that because I knew his name, but I wasn't sure why I knew it. And I was like, maybe I've just heard of him from Yellowstone. It took me a second because one thing about me, I love Naya Rivera with all my heart. Yeah. I think of her often. I have cried over her many times. Like, I love her. So I support him. I mean, and he does well in this episode. They don't give him, unfortunately, a ton to do. This is Paul Wesley's star turn, as though he's yeah. not already a star of this show. I know. But he, uh, he gets to really act. Paul Wesley has been acting well. I mean, he's a great actor. Everyone on the show is a great mm-hmm. actor. We've talked about many times. The acting is great on this show. But Paul Wesley really eats this episode up. He's got some fun, like, funny moments. He loves, he's really good at those, like, Silas-type evil people. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, no humanity stepping. But he also does a very, like, emotional scene in the snow. This, you know, it makes us for the first time say Paul Wesley Emmy when. Yeah, it's finally his time to earn an Emmy. I think it's actually more impressive when people can act this well on a show that I'm referring to this season. Yeah, particularly a season bit of a seven. mess. Like, yeah, because he's acting down. And this episode is a well-written, good episode. One finally. of the best of the season, easily. Yeah, but to act like that after what he's been put through on this show as of late, he could have phoned it in. Because the writers sure are, but yeah. he didn't. He could have matched their energy, but he didn't. He said, no, I'm an actor. We can see in the dash cam of the police officer, like the altercation between Marty and the officer. And then, you know, Stefan insists he's Stefan. And Marty slash Stefan breaks away and runs into the woods in handcuffs. Mm-hmm. He trips, but he gets up and runs and he does lose the cops, which is actually so embarrassing for the cops. Yeah, because it doesn't seem like they're running that fast. And in their mind, he's pretty drunk. But I also think they are like, well, there is a blizzard coming in and he's going into the woods. So Yeah, there's a blizzard coming and he's a drunk dude who just got in a car crash. Like, I think we'll catch him. Yeah, I'm not going to I'm not going to waste my time. Yeah, I'm not going to waste my energy right this second. I'm going to be lazy because I'm a cop. Are there any donuts over there? (laughs) I didn't get into this job to save people. I got into this job to throw people against cars and eat donuts. (laughs) We go over to Dallas 
into Rick and Caroline's house. Rick is watching the news. He's not really paying attention. He has it on. But on the news, an anchor says, turning now to a breaking news story, reports coming in of an accident on Route 70 near Glenwood, Arkansas, involving a Dallas student charter bus, at least four dead with more injured. And so we know that Stefan is in Arkansas. Mm-hmm. But they don't know that yet. Even worse than hell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The EMT said, girl, I wish you were in hell. This is Arkansas. (laughs) He said, girl, don't I know it. (laughs) Vic gets a phone call, picks it up and says, what the hell do you want? Because it's Matt. And Matt says, hey, I'm calling to warn you. And Rick says, yeah, it's a little late for that, don't you think? I mean, seeing as you seem to be working with the psycho who took my fiance hostage. And Matt's like, oh, so Caroline told you about that? (laughs) (laughs) And Matt says, look, I know you're going to find this hard to believe, but I made sure she was safe. And Rick says, safe? Raina shot a stake through her ribcage, Matt. Listen to me. We were out. Three years, no stabbings, no hostage swaps, no supernatural threat breathing down our neck. We are getting married in a month. We have kids we need to take care of. So that gives us a wedding date. We're a month out from the wedding. You excited for this wedding? This wedding isn't happening. (laughs) Oh, no. A month out, it could happen. It could be the season finale, this wedding. Well, we all know how that would go for a look. Let's yeah. say that. If we put a wedding in a season finale yeah, let's, again. Let's not do that. And it won't happen. <laughs> I'm not concerned. And even Alaric, when he talks about it later, sounds like he isn't sure it's happening, by the way. which we'll Yeah, get I mean, we'll get to it later. But when Alaric talks about it, he seems to be pretty, like, under the impression that Caroline don't want him. Yeah. That Caroline doesn't fuck with him. Yeah. Matt says Caroline was bait to draw Stefan out. That's all. Rick says, what the hell happened to you, man? <laughs> well, because... Look, I know Matt's like, she was safe. It's fine. Caroline was bait is not, like, good. Well, and also, you know Reyna to be a vampire hunter. Like, you might have made the deal to make Caroline bait, but why would a vampire hunter not kill a vampire? Why would you even chance that deal if you care about these people? Well, she didn't kill her, but she did stuff her in, like, a cabinet. Like, they didn't put her in, like, a separate room. Like, it was already a separate room that the cabinet was in. Why'd they put her in the cabinet, too? It's rude. Matt's like, I'm not even going to say what the hell happened to me. I'm not even going to address that. He says, something bad happened. I'm calling to let you know I sent some visitors your way. And Rick says, no. Okay. Caroline is in hiding with the girls waiting for me. So we don't know where Caroline is right now. She's in New Orleans falling in love with Klaus. If only. As we've seen already this part of the season, this is an area where we get a lot of back and forth between the Vampire Diaries and the originals. Mm -hmm. We'll get there when we get there. Matt says, this affects everybody, Rick, and I'm three states away. <laughs> Rick says, okay, I'm hanging like, up. This affects everybody, but I'm three states away, so I'm affected the least. So and don't I'm, call me back. And I'm already at the grill. I'm waiting for my chicken club. I can't just get up and dine and dash, so yeah. I'm just going to hang here. I've done all that I planned to do, which was kill Stefan, which apparently didn't work. So I kind of got to nurse my wounds a little bit because it turns out it seems that I can't kill a single vampire I actually want dead. Yeah. And I still don't have a girlfriend. (laughs) Rick hangs up and the doorbell rings and he goes to the door and it's Valerie with Raina's body. And he's like, oh, come on. So Valerie explains what's going on to Rick and she says, it's like what happened with Joe, only more random. All the vampire souls from the Phoenix Stone have found fresh corpses to inhabit. Some vampires, some not. So that's why we got the Joe thing. So we know what's meant to happen is that their bodies are going to break down. Yeah, that finally is paying off. Rick asks a very astute question, actually. He says, why is this my problem? And, you know, I got to agree with him here. It's really not Rick's problem. He's like, I thought I told y'all to stay away from me. And he said, and I don't really fuck with either of you two. 
And Rick has been very useful in, you know, solving supernatural mysteries in the past, but he has been kind of out of the game. He's just teaching at SMU. He's not in the weeds like he used to be. Yeah. Valerie says, Stefan is among the missing, and something tells me your household has a vested interest in whether he lives or dies. And I get the comment she's trying to make here, but it's been three years. Caroline doesn't give a fuck. Yeah. I mean, they would rather he not die, but also they would rather you not bring this to their doorstep where their children live. Exactly. And I know, Valerie, that like your whole life is Stefan and you have no hobbies, interests or other friends to speak of. But some people have more to their life than a guy who didn't even want them, by the way. Yeah, she can see the writing on the wall because her whole life is Stefan and she can see he's leaving soon. Whether he's dead or alive, he's probably leaving. Like at best, the best case scenario for Valerie right now she can see is Damon's a part of their life. Yeah. And she doesn't want that because then it's someone other than her getting attention from Stefan. And really quickly, then Stefan's going to realize that he doesn't need to rely on Valerie because he has other people in his life. Yeah, the only time he stayed with you this long, Valerie, is because you were the only one he was talking to. And she knows that. Yeah. And it's embarrassing to admit it. So I get it. It was never looking great on your odds as a couple from the outside. Let's say that. Rick says, okay, what do we need to do? And Raina says, we have to hunt them all down. And Valerie says, no, actually, Stefan has to be our first priority. (laughs) Which, yeah, I agree with that, actually. And frankly, Raina, like, you don't have the sword anymore. Like, you don't really have the power to control the priorities that you once did. Well, yeah, and even if you find people, like, you'll snap their necks. Okay. Especially because odds are most of them ended up in human bodies, and it's kind of a non-issue. They'll work themselves out in three days. Like, yes, probably some of them might, like, if they're really evil, yeah, they might kill a person or two in a couple days, but most of it's going to be, like, a problem that'll solve itself. Because also, they all went into fresh corpses. And plenty of young people die, sure. But a lot of them probably ended up in elderly bodies as well. So they may not even get three whole days. Yeah. Wait three days. And if there are some issues that come about, then then we'll work on yours. But we have this other f- focus right at this time. Yeah, if I'm Reyna, I'll help with Stefan. I'll help hunt Stefan down, since apparently you like Stefan so much, right, Reyna? But other than that, I'm going to pick my feet up and, w- and just hang out. Because, because- there's no point. Well, and at this point, I'm Raina, 200 years of hunting and killing vampires kind of went down the toilet just now Yeah, when they all escaped. So I'm on the last lifetime. I'm just going to hang out this one. Okay. I'm just going to get drunk and like party and have fun. I'm like, I'm not doing this up. anymore. Like I, I'm done. It doesn't matter if I kill him. They all come back to life anyway. So who gives a fuck? Yeah. Raina says your boyfriend should be the least of your concerns. And Rick says, what do you mean? And Raina says, you think I spent my life chasing harmless do-gooders? That stone was made for the worst of the worst. I've put down some of the most evil vampires of the last 200 years. And Again, Bo. Yeah, and Bo. So I have to imagine, like, I'm sure you did put down some bad people, but you did put down some, like, people who are just vampires hanging out. Yeah, I, I can't imagine they're all, like, super evil. And yeah, it's unfortunate that the serial killer landed in a vampire body, but maybe, just maybe, you shouldn't have lost your sword so many times. <laughs> We go out to the car. Damon is, you know, giving fake Stefan a ride and hands him a diary and says, flip through that. It's your journal. See if anything jogs your memory. So fake Stefan starts to read his vampire diary. He says out loud, day 57 of being pissed off at my garbage heap of a brother. And Damon says, ah, read it to yourself. (laughs) Damon's like, you can keep it in your head. Damon says, look, the most important thing is you're not in that hell anymore. All right. This is real. Fake Stefan like looks in the mirror and he's like, oh, my God, I'm handsome. 
He's like, ooh, this one worked out for me. This is going to kill at the frat house. He said, hello, I'll be able to get in any frat house I want. Damon says, look, man, the truth is you have every right to be pissed at me, okay? I screwed up bad. And when you remember why, I don't blame you. And fake Stefan says, Damon. Damon says, yeah. And fake Stefan says, I am famished. <laughs> yeah, he's like, blah, blah, blah. Can I get something to eat? Y'all got blood? I'm listening. I'm gathering. The diary's enough. Can we eat while, while we're doing this? Yeah. We go out to the woods. It's morning in the woods, but it is, you know, it's cold. There's some like old snow on the ground. Real Stefan is walking through the woods. He still has his handcuffs on. He like dry heaves. He throws up a little bit of spit. Nothing to throw up. Great stuff. He spots a cabin and approaches it. The good thing is this cabin is not occupied. So that's nice. He struggles with the door. He basically pulls like a wood plank off the window and then breaks the window and goes in. Falls into glass a little bit. Mm -hmm. He looks around. He goes to the kitchen and then he sees a shed. So he's like looking for ways to get out of these handcuffs, obviously. Mm-hmm. there's like a tabletop tool of some kind. I'm sure it has a name, whatever. I'm not I a I think carpenter. it's like a clamp. He steps on a cinder block. He uses the tool to break one of his thumbs to get out of the handcuffs. Which I said when he was in the handcuffs, I was like, Stefan, I'm so sorry. I know you can't heal. You got to break one thumb. There's famously an episode of Chuck. I think about this all the time. I know, yeah. Stephanie, you think of it too, where Chuck's spoilers for this one episode of chuck um <laughs> where chuck's trapped in, he's in like handcuffs and he's talking to casey and casey's like oh handcuffs are easy he's like yeah just break a thumb the fun part about that episode of chuck is then they mirror it later in the show and the same thing happens to morgan and he's in handcuffs and casey says like yeah you got to break your thumb and he breaks both his thumbs and gets out i'm like chuck's lazy ass yeah i mean look not to tell Stefan what to do why didn't he try breaking the chain first that's what I would have done. See, that's what I thought he was doing with the clamp, was trying to break the Me chain. Too. But then it like broke his wrist or something. And yeah. then he was like, well, I already broke my wrist. Let's do the thumb too. Why not? Either way, it worked. We go out to a diner where Damon and fake Stefan are having food. The waitress drops off some food and she says, there you go. Need a refill? And fake Stefan says, please. And thank you. And then feeds on her hand. Damon clocks Stefan feeding as a little odd because... A, Stefan doesn't really feed from humans in his general day-to-day, and he drinks for quite some time. Which we haven't seen in a while. And so Damon says, okay, that's enough, Stefan. Guy's like, what do you mean that's enough? I was going to kill her. Yeah, but fake Stefan is smart, and he does let her go. And says, oh, do you want to take her for a spin? And Damon says, I'm going to go make a quick phone call. (laughs) Yeah, because he's like, okay, well, that's, that's not my brother. So Damon walks over to the jukebox, turns that on first, and then he calls Rick and he says, hey, Rick, when did you realize Joe wasn't Joe? And Rick says, oh, are you with your brother? And Damon says, that's what I'm asking. Damon's like, I'm really not sure. And Rick says, yeah, that's not Stefan. We don't know who it is. And Valley says, oh, but keep him close because we will need his body. And Damon says, so where the hell is Stefan? And Rick says, you know, it's not easy to pick him out from hundreds of Twitter reports about the zombie apocalypse. Okay, we're working on it. And Damon says, well, work harder. I don't want to spend the rest of my life babysitting a cheap knockoff of my brother. And Rick says, well, (laughs) it's not going to be the rest of your life. (laughs) He says, Joe's body started to break down just as soon as the vampire soul inhabited her. And Damon says, what are you saying? And Rick says, I'm saying if Stefan is in a human body, he's got about three days to live. It's like, okay. Nice time scale on it. Yeah, good to have a time limit. Know what we're working towards. Yeah. We go out to the cabin where Stefan is. He looks in the mirror and we see Marty's face. So still Marty. It's a Marty party. (laughs) 
Stefan duct tapes his thumb and hand since he broke his thumb. He picks up the phone. No dial tone. There's no food in the fridge. The water is off. The electricity is off. He does, however, find a truck. And then he goes outside and he sees like a generator outside the house. So he turns on the generator. Electricity starts working. So he turns on the TV. The news is on and they say the latest from Arkansas, where in the middle of an extreme weather warning, a manhunt is underway near Wachita National Forest. Marty Hammond fled authorities after allegedly causing a major accident on Route 70. And of course, they have a picture of Marty Hammond, which is Stefan right now. And Stefan's like, damn, that's me. He said, fuck. A cop is doing a press conference. And says, the suspect has a previous DUI. We don't expect him to get too far. He's a known drunk with his medical history. If the cold doesn't take him down, I'm betting detox will. We've got our best men on it, so stay calm and report any suspicious activities. Stefan looks at his hand, which is shaking from the withdrawal. And with his like little duct tape spoon splint, like he's like, this is getting bad for me. Yeah, and we see he has an anchor tattoo. That'll be important in a second. Cop says, we are also taking volunteers to work our phone bank. So if you're interested, please contact the Glenwood YMCA and lend us a hand. We go over to Dallas. The news is on in Dallas as well. And they're saying, you know, Hammond, a former merchant marine, has been working for the charter bus company. They've yet to release a statement. But as news of Hammond's substance abuse issues continues to unfold, and Rick is taking notes, he writes down Marty Hammond. He's clearly writing notes of like any recently dead person in the news. Yeah. And Raina says, can you turn the TV down? My head's about to explode. Yeah, she's okay. like, I don't need one more voice. <laughs> yeah. Valerie says, tell me what they're like, the voices. And Raina says, confused, hungry, angry. What do you want me to fucking say? She says, well, they were all in hell, so they're not thrilled. So yeah, you do the math, how they feel right now. Yeah. Valerie says, do you see them like with actual visions? And Raina says, pieces all at once overlapping. Valerie turns to Rick and says, do you have any pictures of Stefan? And Rick says, why would I have a picture of Stefan? He's like, what kind of question is that? And that's fair. And Valerie says, not you, Caroline. Don't tell me she hasn't kept some bloody sentimental keepsake. Don't say it's so rude. Like Caroline's a stalker who's obsessed with him. Yeah, don't, don't act like that's a crazy thing to have. And what's, you know, nice for Rick about this, it's not like she had a hidden picture of Stefan somewhere. He knew where it was. Yeah. So Rick goes... And Valerie starts lighting some candles. And Raina says, hey, what are you doing? And Valerie says, giving you something to focus on while I help you sort through the noise. Rick comes back with a frame. He says, here, will this do? It's a photo of Stefan and Caroline that could not look more photoshopped. It's like just their faces in the frame. It's black and white. It's like those are obviously two different photos. There's two totally different lightings on their faces. And so they clearly made it black and white to like, try to hide that but it doesn't even hide it i know you have a picture of them could you not go backstage with a digital camera and just get one really quick yeah that would have taken as much time as photoshopping this or like get a still from like an old episode it's just silliness valerie says it's perfect (laughs) valerie says great ugly thank you (laughs) this is awesome she gives it to reyna and says look into his eyes concentrate and reyna says how's this supposed to valerie grabs reyna's head and starts doing a spell and says, hey, focus on Stefan. There's visions. We see the bus crash, the woods, the cabin, the hand with the anchor. Valerie says, come on, Stefan, where are you? And then Valerie does let go of Raina. And Valerie says, okay, I saw trees, blood, fire, an anchor, a tattoo. How about the bus? Yeah, it's crazy. She <laughs> says, I saw trees and fire. You want to mention the like school bus? The bus is that- like 
the most the biggest clue. That's the most unique thing you were shown, other than maybe the anchor tattoo. Not Pissed me you, off so bad. You just heard the news report about the bus crash. Yeah, like, aren't buses top of mind? Isn't it like, oh, didn't we just hear a bus crash thing? There was a bus. And she sees like a bus two times. I'm like, why didn't you mention the bus? Being useless. And then she says, you know, there's a tattoo, an anchor tattoo on his hand. She says, he's hurt. He's scared. Thanks for that. Can you mention the bus? Yeah. Like, okay. And what else did you see? Luckily, that's enough information for Rick to be like, oh, wait a second. He turns the news back on. You know, he rewinds to the anchor saying, Hammond, a former merchant marine, has been working for the charter bus company. They've yet to release. And Valley says, oh, my God, I also saw a bus. Fuck you. And like, okay, the bus was the first clue. But if you remember trees, you remember the bus. Sorry, but trees is not a clue. There's trees everywhere. Don't even bother mentioning the trees. Consider that a dud. And blood. You know, he went into a corpse. Like, blood isn't crazy. What am I supposed to track with blood? (laughs) What I love about this, too, he's like, oh, Merchant Marine, an anchor tattoo. Like, those are connected, but it's not like a definite bond. Yeah, Rick says, Merchant Marine tattoo. A guy saves a bunch of kids, then goes on the lam. I think this Marty Hammond is our guy. And they are right, but they come to this conclusion and they become very sure of it very fast. Like, and I do think the bus and like the fact that it was a crash that he saved people from, like, I can see why that's enough to assume it's Stefan. Tattoo's not a clue. It's a little weak. It is. And I mean, again, they end up being right. So who cares? But it is like, can you imagine if they spent all day chasing this guy and it full wasn't Stefan? And Stefan was like in an old folks home. Yeah. Or (laughs) Stefan is like in Portugal. Yeah. To assume the souls couldn't get very far. They're lucky that he landed in Arkansas. Yeah. <laughs> we go over to the diner where Damon and fake Stefan are. Damon's on the phone and says, Arkansas? What the hell's in Arkansas? And Rick says, miles of national forest, dozens of pissed off state troopers, and a rapidly approaching blizzard. How soon can you get there? And Damon looks over at fake Stefan, who is feeding on the waitress uh, to her death. And there's and another Damon- dead waitress in the corner. Like, he's he's been hungry. Yeah, so Damon says, this all depends on how cooperative my passenger is going to be. So he hangs up and goes up to fake Stefan and says, okay, bro, time to go. And fake Stefan says, not a minute too soon. This place is dead. He laughs. He's he's a silly guy. They love to have Paul Wesley do these like Silasy characters because he's so good at them. But Stefan never gets to do this unless his humanity's off. He doesn't get to do the Damon bits. So he gets to have some fun. We go over to the cabin. Stefan breaks into the truck. He breaks the window to get in. Which we'll regret that later. later. <laughs> <laughs> he gets in and he starts hot wiring the car. He looks in the mirror and then he starts talking to himself slash Marty. Says, of course, I'm trapped in the body of an addict. Didn't need a damn hellstone to hammer that irony home, did we, Marty? Says, you know, Marty, I spent the last three years knowing my lifespan was tied to Raina's. After the initial shock wore off, I actually started to enjoy it. I had an expiration date. That's as close to being human as I was ever going to get. I guess I forgot how much being a human actually sucks, how everything hurts all the damn time. He keeps like messing with the wires. The car like sounds like it's going to start and then stops. He's like, come on, come on. And the car starts and he says, yes, suck on that, Marty, you miserable drunk. (laughs) Well, I do love that the one thing Stefan took from this is like, thank the Lord I'm not a human anymore. Yeah, I was dumb. Like, yeah, I wish I had my humanity, but like, don't cure me of this. Yeah, I'm good. 
We go to the car. Fake Stefan is reading the vampire diary. And he says, okay, I'm ready to perform now. I have enough information. Okay, I get my character, I think. So he says, ah, yes. I think it's starting to come back to me. The pain, the, the doleful humdrum of my eternal curse. And yet, here and there, moments of hope, glimmers of humanity. You know, I may have forgotten what you've done, Damon, but I do remember this. You are my flesh and blood. I love you, brother. This is a good attempt, actually. This is a good attempt, but it does assume these two have ever said I love you to each other in their entire lives, <laughs> yeah, exactly. which is a bit of a swing. I do love that he's saying it and he's he's performing, but you can tell in his mind he's making fun of him, too. He is. And I do think he figures that if he, like, forgives Damon for whatever he did or, like, fakes the forgiveness that he'll get more help from this guy. So I get why this is the move. But it's just funny. I think the forgiveness is the right call. But when he ends it with I love you, Damon's like, don't insult me. Damon says, cut the crap, buddy. I know you're not Stefan. And I understand this impulse. But don't tell him you know. Let him believe that he's tricking you until you get him where you need him to go. Yeah, exactly. There's no reason to tell him you know it's not Stefan. Because he will do exactly what he does. Especially because he was dumb enough to think that you turning on the jukebox before you made a call, that those weren't connected. You can get away with it for a little longer. Fake Stefan says, oh, that's a shame. I was just warming up. (laughs) He said I had a whole monologue ready. Damon says, well, I give you points for being a quick study. Fake Stefan says, you know, I can't take all the credit. You did give me the handbook. In all seriousness, though, your brother truly, truly hates you. Listen to this. I have resigned myself to never seeing Damon again in my now finite lifetime, and I have never felt so unburdened. Oof. Sounds like he doesn't care if he ever sees you again, which is perfect because I don't plan on giving up his body. Yeah, I bet you don't. And he rolls the window down, which, Damon, this should be your first red flag. Which, like, I know it's not like you can roll the window up from your side, but snap the neck. Exactly. Damon says, hey, fair warning, that hair requires a tremendous amount of maintenance. No, it does not. Well, then he sticks his head out the window. He doesn't care about the hair. Yeah. Fake Stefan says, yeah, indeed it does. Better than nothing, though. Hey, how far is Memphis? And Damon says, Memphis, please tell me your name was Elvis. It would explain a lot. And fake Stefan says, you seem like an entertaining fellow, Damon. And thank you for that. I needed that today, actually. (laughs) Fake Stefan says, when this is all over, we should go carousing together. Deuces. And then he jumps up out the window. (laughs) The combination of carousing and deuces. I'm intrigued by you. I love you. I'm (laughs) trapped by you. And the jump like straight in the air and immediately out of the way. Like it was it was too easy for him. Yeah, so fake Stefan is gone. Luckily, fake Stefan did say, like, basically straight up said, I'm going to Memphis. Yeah, so thanks for that, buddy. Yeah, that was nice of him. We go over to Rick's house where Damon has called Rick, and Rick says, what do you mean you lost him? And Damon says, I mean, he figured out Stefan's body is a timeshare, and he ran. And how did he figure that out, Damon? You left that out. And also, you know, we don't know exactly when he's from at this point in the episode, but he still has to figure out how cars work. Which, you know, I think he'll figure out pretty quick, but slows him down a little. Exactly. It'll take him some time to get to Memphis. Uh, Damon says he asked about Memphis. And Rick says, we're two states away from Memphis. And Damon says, yeah, well, I have to go rescue the real Stefan from a manhunt. You have a heretic and a huntress, use them. He hangs up. Damon's like, I'm already busy. You guys kind of have to do something now. And then Valerie says, oh, it's okay. I can track Stefan's body. 
this works out better because if Damon had to go rescue Stefan and fake Stefan is there, he'd realize what's going on pretty fast. Yeah. Raina says, did you say Memphis? We have to catch him. And Rick says, well, yes, that is the point, isn't it? He's like, that's literally what we're doing right now. We literally were going to. Valerie says, then what? And then kill him. That's what you're not saying. Who is he? And Raina says, just another serial killer that cannot be allowed to walk this earth. He should be staked and burned and sent to oblivion. Sure. But could we take the body first? Yeah. And I get that this is more of a threat to Raina because he's in a vampire body. Yeah. It is fair. She has to be concerned with him. Valerie says, well, he's walking the earth in my boyfriend's body, so we're not killing anyone. Raina says, well, then this is where we part ways. She throws herself onto the ground, breaks the chair. So she breaks out of her chains. Pretty lazily chained if she can get out by breaking the chair. Yeah, she loves breaking chairs, this one. She does. Keep that Uh, girl away from uh, the furniture outlet. Keep her away from Ikea. (laughs) Valerie Vampire runs over to Raina and they fight. Rick very slowly starts to reach for something. Come on, get your shit together, Rick. She's distracted by the fighting. You can just move. But also, to be fair... By all accounts, Valerie should be able to overpower Reyna. Yeah. And also, to be fair, like, they're lucky that there's a weapon within reaching distance of a lurk because, again, he's not really a vampire hunter right now. Exactly. Reyna looks at Rick after, you know, snapping Valerie's neck and says, you know, I'm dying to know what's in that case you keep inching towards. And Rick says, well, it's a dirt gun. He says, well, why lie at this point? And Reyna says, do you think it'll help? And he just puts his hands up. He's like, I'm not even going to get into this. Which is fair because they don't really need Reyna to find Stefan at this point. They can do it with Valerie. But we can assume that Reyna is going to find fake Stefan with the intent of killing him. Yeah, she has the knowledge of who it is. So she has some information to get there, but she still has to get some weapons. There's a number of things she has to do to get there that will, you know, slow her down some. And also all these vampires she killed escaped. Like she's not the world's best hunter. Yeah, and she's also... She's plagued by these voices. It's all going to slow her down quite a bit. Yeah, so you've got a little bit of time. We go back to Arkansas. Stefan is driving the truck, and then he realizes he's pretty much out of gas. But luckily, there's a woman in a car. So he comes upon her, and he's like, oh, great. Things are looking up. This doesn't work for him anyway, but if I saw like someone pull up behind me, I'd get in my car and drive. Yeah, literally. We'd have a conversation. Or like, I'd get in my car, roll the window down. Yeah, but we're in the woods. Yeah. He approaches her and says, oh, hey, excuse me, miss. Do you know where we are? We can hear on the radio. She's listening to, you know, news radio. And it says, you know, authorities urge everyone to stock up on needed provisions. She says, oh, are you lost? And he says, yeah, out of and out of gas and unnaturally lucky. He says, do you mind if I borrow your phone? It's just one quick call. She says, hang on. She gets in the car to get her phone. But then she hears on the radio. They're talking about a male fugitive being on the run, being super dangerous. This girl's smart. Yeah, he hid his handcuff, but like, there's a fugitive on the loose in the woods. Sorry, I'm going to assume that's you. Yeah, and he's got a cut on his head. He looks worse for wear. Mm -hmm. So she tries to close the door on him and says, get away from me. And he says, no, I just need to use your phone, please. (laughs) He said, please, Um, I know that sounds bad, but I'm not that bad of a guy. She punches him and is able to close the door and she's able to drive off. And you know what? Good for you, girl. That was smart. That was queening. And because I'm sure her instinct would have been to, like, call 911 after leaving. Mm-hmm. But she did drop her phone, which we find out later. Yeah, which only Stefan had looked. Yeah. <laughs> but he's uh, feeling downtrodden. I get it. Yeah, he's downtrodden. He's upset. He's in pain. And then he looks up and it is starting to snow. 
because he knows it was lucky he ran across one person. Now that's snowing, no one else is coming through these woods. Yeah. So we go to a police department in Arkansas. Damon walks in. He says, pardon me, officer coming through. No one reacts. No one doubts him that time. And then to be safe, he also takes a coat off the rack and puts it on that has like, you know, the cop stuff on it. The captain of the police, we find out later, is the captain says, oh, sir, who are you? And Damon says, I'm a volunteer. Deputy Matt Donovan from Mystic Falls, a friend to my brothers in blue. And the captain says, yeah, I've never heard of Mystic Falls. I've never heard of you. Where's your badge? And Damon says, okay, well, I tried. Um, well, because like, <laughs> I know that this is a real town, that Matt is a real coffin, but like, it sounds like a fake town. And I was like, what are you doing here? So Damon compels the captain and says, you know, you don't need to see a badge because Matt Donovan is the finest, bravest, least stupid cop you ever met. And if anyone asks, that's the lie you tell them. And the captain says, well, I'm glad you're here, Donovan. We're lucky to have you. Damon says, so what's the status? The cop says, well... Hammond is screwed any way you cut it. We got the force surrounded. Boys just raided a cabin, found traces of blood, but no Murdy, which means that, and Damon says he's alone in the woods. And the cop says, nobody can survive these temperatures overnight. So we're just laying low, waiting for nature to do our work for us. So we're just cashing in overtime pay and not doing our jobs. Yeah, so we're just going to get the check and uh, look for a body tomorrow. Donuts in the center of the room if you want them, we're just hanging. Yeah. And you can throw them at the people we have locked up downstairs if you want some entertainment. Yeah, pizza's on the way. (laughs) We got to the road. Stefan is sitting in the car. He's shivering because, as we know, the window is broken. Yeah, which he's not pleased with. Damon appears next to him in the car. (laughs) And it's like, oh, no. (laughs) And Damon says, didn't think that one through, did you, bro? What do you say we get out of here and get you back to your own body? Let's go. What? What's wrong? And Stefan says, you know, if you're here then I'm safe and I owe you one. But if you're a hallucination, then I've entered the delirium phase of my withdrawal and I'm officially and royally screwed. He turns back to the passenger seat and Damon isn't there. And so he's like, okay. Stefan's like, either way, this isn't good. And oh, it's the worst option. This is awesome. Just as I suspected, I'm going to die today. That's what I figured based on how today's going. He groans and then he coughs. Um, He falls out of the car and like dry heaves into the snow. It's looking bad for him. Yeah, this is probably the worst day of his life. Yeah, this is, we were saying as we were watching the episode, this is worse than when he was in the safe. Because in the safe, like, yeah, I don't want to drown every day, but you know you're not going to die. And you know, realistically, people will figure out where you are eventually. Yeah. This time he's in the middle of the woods and he's human. It's looking bad. He hasn't been able to contact Damon or Valerie. He doesn't know that the Phoenix Stone exploded. Like, he hasn't heard from anybody all day. He has no reason to believe anyone's even on their way to him. Yeah. We go back to the police department, the police station. There's a news anchor there, and she says, currently 12 degrees and dropping fast. With snowfall of a foot or more projected, road closures and downed power lines should be anticipated. Inside, Damon is, like, looking at a map, and then he hears a woman coming in with a cop, And the cop says, oh, calm down. Tell me what happened. And we see it's the girl from earlier on the road. And she says, I saw him. He attacked me. The cop says, okay, have a seat right here. You're safe now, ma'am. And Damon approaches and says, hey, Captain, I would like to question her myself. And the captain says, all right, everybody, Matt Donovan's got this. And I know he compelled you to think he's like a good cop, but still you're the captain. Don't you want to question this girl? Do you want to be here? (laughs) He's like, no, I got to go eat. It's half past nap. (laughs) <laughs> the pizza just got here and if i don't get over there quick everyone's gonna eat all the pepperoni 
If I don't get there fast enough, I'll have to eat that liberal veggie pizza. (laughs) (laughs) That communist pizza. Damon sits down with the woman and he says, I need you to tell me exactly where you saw him. And she says it was an access road off 274 north of Odin. There's an outlook there. And Damon says, and you're sure it was north? And she says, yes. And Damon says, all right, boys, he's south of Odin. Let's pull all the troops down to that area. okay?" And she says, "Uh, that's not what I said. And he compels her and he says, well, it is now. You saw him south of Odin. And he starts to get ready to go. And she says, hey, will you let me know if they find my phone? And he says, what'd you say? She says, my cell phone? Damon's like, this is my lucky day. We go out to the road. Stefan is sitting outside of the truck now, which I know getting in the truck won't be better, but at least snow won't be falling on you. But I guess I think, he's weak. I think after he dry heaved, he was like, oh, fuck this. It's over. Like, I'm not even getting in the truck. Just come take me. Yeah. And then her phone rings in the snow. It survived all this snow. So good phone. Stefan picks up the phone and says, hello. And again, we're very lucky that Marty is actually Stefan because they're also. <laughs> this guy be like who are you damon says wow murdy's voice is huskier than i imagined and stefan says damon so we do know it's stefan damon says you sure picked a great night to get lost in the woods and stefan says yeah well at least i'm starting to warm up which in case you didn't know that's actually a bad sign he's so hopeless he's even giving up on the phone damon says you know you gotta move pick a direction start walking and stefan says yeah i can't i can't even feel my legs at this point i can't tell if my tremors are from the withdrawal or from me freezing to death Damon says, just get up. You know, this is not how you're going to die. And Stefan says, alone in the wilderness, trapped in the frozen corpse of an alcoholic murderer. I don't know. Kind of seems fitting to me. Yeah. He's like, look, it's looking super bad for me. And it's almost like comical how ironic it is. So I think it's time. He's resigned himself to it. Yeah. Uh, Damon says, hey, give me something to work with here. (laughs) Because Damon's just trying to keep him talking and moving to make sure he's alive when he finds him. Yeah. And Stefan says, day late and a dollar short. You suck at playing hero, bro. And Damon says, guess I'm just not used to you being such a damsel in distress. And Stefan says, should I list all the ways in which this mess is your fault? And Damon says, go for it. I'm not doing anything important right now because it'll keep him talking. Stefan says, you bailed on me, Damon. Damon says, which time? Damon says, Valerie and I were literally just about to do the transfer spell. And Stefan says, no, before that, actually, you bailed on me when you decided you'd rather live in a coffin than own up to your mistakes. And Damon says, well, actually, I was trying to prevent myself from making mistakes, Stefan. Damon, that that logic wasn't tracking. Yeah. Does, when you say that out loud, does it sound right? And also, Bonnie told you it wasn't tracking right before you desiccated. Yeah. Stefan says, why is that so hard for you? Don't say Elena, because you lived 160 years before you met her. I got ripped out of hell and thrown into a dead man's body. And do you know what my first thought was when I came to? I need to save those people on the bus. I didn't know who I was or where I was. It was my instinct. Where are your instincts, Damon? What does the voice in your head say? This is hurtful to Damon. Yeah, because he's like, my instincts aren't even right. Yeah. Damon says, you want me to say what we both already know? Fine. I'm selfish. I'm angry. I'm impatient. And yes, Until I met Elena, I wasn't interested in doing the right thing for anybody. Well, I think Damon at this point also is trying to lean into the anger from Stefan because he's like, let's get that heart rate moving. Let's get some heat pumping. Exactly. He wants to make Stefan more angry. Stefan says, your brother included. And Damon says, my brother included. Are you mad? And Stefan says, yes. Damon says, do you resent me? And Stefan says, yes. And Damon says, good then get up and come kick my ass yourself. 
And this works. Stefan gets up and starts walking. He said, you know what? I will. He said, sure. He said, killing myself, postpone. <laughs> Damon says, Stefan. And Stefan says, I'm walking. You want to know why this is so hard? And Damon says, because Marty Hammond is a total train wreck. And Stefan says, because eventually I'm not going to be able to go on. And when that happens, I don't believe you'll be there. You can't blame him for thinking that. This is hard for Damon to hear because I think it's just Damon kind of felt like Stefan would be better off without him. And Valerie has implied as much. And now Stefan is going to die alone if Damon can't get there. And Stefan doesn't even believe he'll get there. So it's hard for Damon to hear. We go over to a diner where Valerie and Rick are clearly on the way to Memphis. And they watch the snow. And Valerie says, must we wait this out? And Rick says, unless you want to end up in a ditch off the freeway, we're going to spend the night right here because it's a 24-hour diner. Mm -hmm. And Valerie says, how convenient for you. Now, why are we going to be rude to Rick now? To what end? Rick's like, I'm not like having a fun conversation with you. Like, we are not the same. Rick says, what's that supposed to mean? And Valerie says, well, if this ends badly, you emerge the victor. Stefan dies through no fault of your own. Less competition for your fiancé's hurt. Girl, this is not a normal, logical thought people have. Don't act the- like everyone is thinking, oh, I hope my fiancé's ex-boyfriend dies so that I have no competition. That's not normal. Because also, like, Rick is not, like, close friends with Stefan, but he is friends with Stefan. I mean, he holds some resentment for Stefan leaving, but it's not like he, like, hates Stefan. He just hates that Caroline is hurt by him. Obviously, he likes having Caroline and his family, like, intact the way it is. And he knows that, like, Stefan is the person who can ruin it. But he doesn't want Caroline to be unhappy just so he's happy. Yeah, because he cares about other people's feelings. Yeah, he's not, like, sitting here like, ooh, wouldn't it be nice if Stefan froze to death? So I can't be blamed for it. He hasn't thought about Stefan in three years. He has kids to raise. He has a job. Like, he doesn't want Stefan to freeze to death. I mean, we can tell he says as much that he's in love with Caroline. He implies that he doesn't think she is in love with him. So I'm sure a part of him is like, I wish Caroline would fall in love with me. But Stefan dying wouldn't make that happen. Yeah. So Rick doesn't say like, what kind of sociopathic shit are you on, bitch? Uh, (laughs) He says, how insecure do you think I am? Which Valerie, FYI, he's calling you insecure. One thing about Rick is he's going to gag someone's insecurities every time. Yeah, he can see right through it. Valerie says, don't pretend it hasn't crossed your mind. It hasn't. It's only crossing your mind, you insane sociopath. Yeah, he's working very hard to help Stefan not die today, actually. Yeah. Considering he doesn't want to help any of y'all with anything. He doesn't want to be involved in supernatural shit at all. Yeah, but he's still here helping find your boyfriend, quote unquote. He could have not invited you into the house. He could have gone on this road trip alone. He could have had you go alone. You didn't need to be with him. But he's trying to save Stefan. Valerie says, I am very familiar with the sensation of watching Stefan and Caroline from the outside. Yeah, and realizing that he don't want you if Caroline's an option. Yeah, that's tough, girl, I bet. Rick says, well, except for the part where Stefan ditched Caroline to travel around the world with you. Because Because he's like, that was rude. From the outside, Caroline sees that as like, okay, he chose Valerie over me. And how could she not? And Rick is protective of Caroline, which I do at least appreciate that if I have to deal with the Rick and Caroline couple. At least he's like, uh, that was messed up that he completely abandoned Caroline. Yeah. Valerie says, you see, I never fooled myself into thinking what I had with Stefan would last. 
yes, you very much fucking did. And maybe you didn't think it would last forever, but you certainly thought it would last until he died. Yeah. Yeah. She thought that it would last longer than three years, certainly, because if she was really okay with it not lasting, she would have given him an option to get out of going on the run. Yeah. Valley says, but you put a ring on it. It's so funny the way she says this. Like, it is crazy that, like, you think you and Caroline are going to be together forever so much that you got married. They have two children and they have, like, a family that lives together. That's not the same as what's going on with you and Stefan, bitch. Up until this episode, I still was hoping that they were not actually getting married. No one was in love, that it was just like, hey, we're living together. We have the kids. We might as well do this, like, for the convenience. Yeah. Rick says, yeah, I proposed to Caroline because I fell in love with her. And she said yes, because it made sense for the kids. So it does seem that Rick is like, I know she doesn't want me. Yeah, Rick is like, I recognize that like she's not as in love with me as I am with her. And she's mostly doing this for the kids. But she still said yes. <laughs> so get a wife, bitch. And he said, look, Valerie, you don't know me that well. My picker has been historically kind of insane. So I'll take this. Yeah, third time's the charm on the wife front, I think. <laughs> Probably only second wife, because yeah. they finished the wedding. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But th- also, this is really another reason to me that this time jump is ass. I feel like if you're going to do like an out of left field couple in a time jump, you need to at least justify how they got there. And I understand they're trying to do it with like Caroline wants to get married for the convenience of the kids. They are basically not even making us believe that she likes Alaric. It just feels like it's not something Caroline would do. I think it is something she would do if they both agreed it was for the optics and for convenience, like yes. for tax breaks, whatever. But if she knows that Rick is in love with her, I think may- like maybe she would try to trick herself. But I think she would be like, mm, I don't know that that's fair to Rick. Yeah, and she wouldn't want to have, like, a big white wedding with a guy who loves her that she doesn't love. Because I do think, like, she's immortal. Rick and these kids are immortal. So, like, I understand her being like, I'll get married to Rick and then eventually he'll die and then I can do whatever I want. Yeah. But I do feel like him being in love with her would make her, it would give her pause. Well, also, like, I know it's a three-year time jump, whatever. But it's been, like, two years of her living in Dallas, essentially, So that's a pretty quick timeline to get engaged in the real world because we have to assume at least six months of that she was like mad at Stefan getting over Stefan. So it doesn't really make sense to get engaged that fast unless it really is for optics. It just doesn't make sense in general for them to get engaged. Again, I just think the only reason the writers did this was to give us like a shock in the time jump. Yeah. But it's like Rick also, we know him to be pragmatic over romantic. Most of the time, particularly after, you know, his history with women, let's say. Let's call it that. I just feel like neither him nor Caroline would feel the need to get married in order to have like a family unit. I could see it literally as like just because of the way our jobs or community works, it makes the most sense like for outside viewers but otherwise you can get like tax breaks for being married but like it's a vampire she can get around that and even if it is like a community optics thing put on wedding rings then you don't actually have to get married yeah rick says so yeah stefan coming back might ruin my perfect little life so what great head on his shoulders about this thank you rick yeah he's like i mean i really needed someone around when they were newborns because i couldn't handle twins on my own so at least she waited till they were toddlers 
Well, also, you know, like Stefan won't be on the run anymore. Like Caroline could very well still live in Dallas and they could figure this out the way they should have figured it out originally. But, you know, Rick feels like they've got a good foundation regardless. And he knows that they have a good relationship, he and Caroline, even if they're not in a loving relationship. You know, he clearly knows that Caroline doesn't love him the way he loves her. Or the way she loved Stefan also. Yeah. And I think he probably thought, you know, it's not crazy that Stefan would come back into their lives at some point. So I think he was just kind of like, I'm going to enjoy this while it lasts because, you know, most of my girlfriends die. So if she stays alive, that's better than pretty much any other relationship I've had. Yeah. Sure, the other ones loved me more, but they're dead. (laughs) At least she's not faking her own death to get away from me. That's kind of a win. At least she didn't (laughs) move to Alaska like Meredith fell. Yeah. Valerie says, for what it's worth, I'm rooting for you and Caroline. That's worth absolutely bullshit. Rick laughs in her face and says, how selfless of you. Took the words right out of my mouth, Rick. Because, like, you're not actually rooting for him and Caroline. You don't give a fuck. You're just rooting against Caroline and Stephanie. Exactly. She is so... It's like, okay, thanks for telling me that. I don't give a fuck what you're rooting for. Like, I didn't need you to say it. You've made it incredibly clear what your stance is on this because you're completely projecting it onto me. Yeah, you're a hater to your complete core. Yeah. And go back to the car. Damon is on the phone with Stefan still and says, don't tell me you don't appreciate the irony of this, you being human. And Stefan says, yeah, safe to say I don't appreciate it at this particular moment. And Damon says, tell me, though, what's the worst part about being human? Is it leg cramps, sniffles, frostbite? What is it? Stefan says, how about the inability to compel people? Today, that's top of mind. (laughs) He's like, yeah, that all certainly sucks, but I would have loved to be able to compel my way into that car instead of getting punched by a girl. Yeah. Damon says, yeah, that's a big one. Sucks having to play by the rules, doesn't it? And Stefan says, like you would know. You set yourself up for that one, Damon. (laughs) I mean, it was too easy. (laughs) Stefan says, hey, you remember playing hide and seek when we were kids? Damon says, you bring that up because you used to cheat? And Stefan says, I did not. Everybody cheated at hide and seek. Grow up. Yeah, please. (laughs) It's too easy. Damon says, absolutely, you did. You used to hide in father's office, even though we weren't allowed to be in there. And Stefan says, once, maybe. Damon says, no, all the time. And Stefan says, well, then why was it so hard for you to find me? And Damon says, because I was scared. I didn't want to break the rules. And Stefan says, well, maybe you were hoping father would catch me and punish me. Damon says, no, I wasn't scared I'd get caught. I was scared for you, Stefan. Why do you bring up hide and seek? Stefan says, because you're never going to find me. This is such a sweet little story of Damon. He didn't want Stefan to get punished. Mm-hmm. So he figured the less attention he calls to his father's office, the better. But this is also, again, you know, what this show does so often is bring these like anecdotes that become metaphors that really crystallize a very deep relationship. This is so true to Stefan and Damon's relationship. Stefan perceived that as Damon can't find me. He doesn't care where I am. He doesn't know me. He doesn't want to find me. And Damon was doing it to protect Stefan and just never communicated it. Was never like, hey, stop hiding in there. I don't want you to get hurt. And I'm not going to like come get you because I don't want to call attention to that. So Damon's just like, he's cheating at hide and seek. And Stefan's like, Damon sucks at hide and seek. Like he doesn't want to find me. It's just such an interesting look into the way they view each other and the way they view themselves. As everything is with these two. As everything is. And part of it is, I think what's interesting about this show is like you get in this mindset where it's like you're 150 years old. You can't figure your way out of this yet. You haven't cracked this code. 
But it's also like they've spent 150 years literally further entrenching themselves in these narratives and these characters they've built themselves as. So it's like, how are they supposed to unlearn this? Yeah, it takes time. They're in it. (laughs) Stefan seems to have lost pretty much all of his strength. He falls to the ground and it looks really bad. This is an emotional scene. I was crying a little bit, even though I know it's okay. It was emotional because, um, you know, Damon's coming to get his brother and Stefan like knows Damon wants to save him, but he's like, it just might not happen this time. Yeah. You know, Damon is, he knows he's on his way and he knows he's close, but he's also like, what happens if I can't save my brother this time? Yeah, I abandoned him for three years and now this is what I'm doing. That's awesome. Headlights appear and it is Damon. He picks Stefan up. And he's like, well, let's hope this is Marty. Yeah. Later, Stefan comes to in the car and looks at Damon and says, Damon, what's wrong? And we can now see it's Marty. And we also know then that he has confirmed that Damon got the right guy off the side of the boat. (laughs) Which, like, hopefully there's no one else in the woods right now, but it's good that you got the right one. Yeah. Damon says, you know, nothing's wrong. It's all very normal. Stefan spots a box of donuts. And Stefan says, are those? And Damon says, cop approved. Stefan eats the donuts very excitedly. And says, you asked me what I missed most about being a human, the ecstasy of eating this incredibly crappy donut. Damon says, so all's forgiven. Stefan says, no, not by a long shot. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. I mean, this this helps. Don't get me wrong. But, yeah, this is a great start. <laughs> but there's, there's a lot of things going on. <laughs> yeah. Let's get me back in my body before we start talking about forgiveness. Yeah. And then Stefan gets a nosebleed and says, oh, my God, what is that? And Damon says, OK, about that. I'm afraid Marty's not going to make it. Buckle up because we have less than 48 hours to track down your real body. And Stefan's like, well, I guess you saved me at least. So I can't get that sad about that. Yeah. And now at least I can drink so I don't have to face the withdrawal symptoms anymore. That's awesome. (laughs) We go back to the diner where Rick and Valerie are. And Rick says, oh, are you still tracking Stefan's body? And Valerie says, whoever's in him just stopped in Memphis. She says, I can hear music. It's a fraternity house. Rick says, a vampire just beelined to Memphis and went straight to a university? We gotta go. Valerie says, why? What's going on? Rick says, something Raina said. Now, I wish you would have connected these dots earlier, but you know what? You're the only one doing shit today, Rick, so I'm I'm not mad at you. Valerie's taking all your energy, siphoning the air out of the room. Yeah, siphoning the fun out of the world. <laughs> Rick says, you know, it reminded me of an old wives' tale about a string of murders that happened in Memphis in the 1880s. Apparently, he was a serial killer before he became a vampire. He would stalk sororities and fraternities and murder for sport. We go over to a fraternity house in Memphis. A guy opens the door to fake Stefan. Fake Stefan has brought a six pack of beer and says libations. The guy says, oh, nice. Come on in, man. Which is so funny because if a guy this hot who no one knows showed up to a frat party with one six pack of beer, they'd be like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, You can't this, come in without a girl. This is the worst pledge they ever got. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, who let that guy in? <laughs> Fake Stefan goes into the frat party. And Rick narrates. As the story goes, he wouldn't just kill. He would force his victims to murder each other. And they would tell the story, but no one would believe them. Eventually, the burden would drive them mad. Fake Stefan grabs like a fireplace poker and uses it to barricade the door to the frat house. He, like, bends it to, like, lock the doors in. Mm -hmm. And at the diner, Rick says they never caught the killer. At the fraternity house, fake Stefan, like, puts his head up, puts his hands up. He's soaking it all in. He's loving it. He's feeling the music. He's like, I finally get to kill somebody again. 
And that brings us to the end of the episode. So let's deal with fake Stefan here. Number one, are we going to catch fake Stefan? Will real Stefan get his body back? Yeah. When do you think? I think next episode. Okay. Because I think there's only so much like serial killer murdering we can do before it's like, okay, this is a little gratuitous. Yeah. I have to ask, you, you had to know this was coming. We know this guy was a serial killer in the 1880s. We will learn his name. Mm-hmm. What is his name? I, I did know this was coming. Now, I don't think this is his name, but as usual, I have to give some background and thought process of Absolutely. why I'm up with things. You know, I am a white millennial cusp. So yes, I do engage in true crime media. Yes. And the serial killer that this is most similar to, I mean, it's not exactly the same, obviously, but the one that it immediately brings to mind, of course, is Richard Speck, mm-hmm. who went into like a nursing school and killed a bunch of women. So I don't think his name is Richard, but I do think that, you know, gives us some jumping off point. And I don't think it's crazy that they would like pick a name reminiscent of some serial killer. Absolutely. And I'm also, you know, drawing a parallel between this frat party and the frat party with the infamous, I feel so close to you right now scene. Yes. Uh, so I don't want to just say his name is Jack, like Jack the Ripper, but I think it's something in that realm. Like, I don't think it's a crazy name, which actually is such a stupid guess because they're always crazy names. I'm going to tell you right now, it's a crazy name. You're going to no. need to go a lot goofier. Okay. You're going to need to go a lot crazier than Jack and Richard. I'm going to tell you that right now. <laughs> okay, 1880s Memphis. Jebediah. Yeah, you, it's not Jebediah, but that's the kind of area you want to be in. Okay. Do you want me to tell you what letter it starts with just for fun? Yeah. A. Okay, I was never going to start with A. I was thinking S names. (laughs) I know, that's why I wanted to get to you because you're thinking Silas, I bet. I am thinking Silas. Alvin. Goofier. Goofier than a chipmunk? Yeah, Uh, more like... um, Old timey? Yeah, more old timey, more like flowery almost. And not... Atticus? No, but that's in the right area and it's not traditionally a first name. You're giving me a lot of clues, so I feel like I have to get it. I know. I really, I, I Anderson, really goofier. Abner. It's actually a little bit more like pretty than that. You wouldn't think of this as a name necessarily. I don't think. Awesome. I have like a jumble of letters in my head. Which letters? It's like Alistair adjacent, but I'm seeing C's, I's, L's, A. You want to get away from the C's and the L's and the I's. Okay. So nothing was correct. <laughs> awesome. The A's right. So awesome. I have one letter and it's the letter you gave me. Yeah. Okay. It's just like a game of Wordle now. I know. Um, Avignon. Thinking French. No. Normally I would make you wait until the next episode. I'm going to give you a clue that I think you might get. Because mm-hmm. I'm so close. Because you're so close and it's so much fun and I don't want to have to wait till the next episode. There is a street near my apartment that has this name. Oh gosh. Okay. Maybe you don't know this the way I would think. You no, would. let me let me think. So that that's to tell you that it's like not necessarily a name you would think of as like a name. I know this is a street name called Avocado. But I no, it's not Avocado. <laughs> See, I'm I got Anderson stuck in my head now. How close to your apartment? I walk there regularly. Albertson. <laughs> not Albertson. Because <laughs> for those in the know, I live near an Albertsons. But ironically enough, the Albertsons is on this street. You would have never looked at this street. No, I walked to Albert since last time I was visiting you. I know. I know I can see the sign, <laughs> but I, I'm convinced there's else in it still. Well, you're thinking of Hillhurst. Clearly, I just can't fucking guess names because 
with this, I should be able to get it. Anis Snow. No, but that's kind of close. And I almost said Anderson. It's not Anderson. Get away from Anderson. (laughs) Do you want me to tell you the second letter? Let me ask you about Does it have an O? It does have an O. Do either O or A repeat? No. Addison? No. You've never met a person with this name. You've never heard of a person with this name. Give me the second letter. M. Amos, no. Amos is pretty close, actually. I would have heard of someone with Amos, though. Yeah. Is AMO correct? There's an A, an M, and an O, but not in a row. Okay. Amball. Amball. No. I'm just guessing sounds. Is there any other clues that you can give me that don't give away the name? I can give you the third letter. Okay. B. Amb. It's not ambiance. (laughs) Ambiance. (laughs) Ambien. I don't think I'm going to get it legitimately. I'm just going to tell you at this point, I know we could wait till next week. His name is Ambrose. Ambrose. I was in the area of it. You were getting close. You really were, but you gave up. But and I couldn't get past Anderson. I know. I could see it in your it eyes. He was blocking me. Even once I gave you the M and the B. <laughs> Amberson. <laughs> Literally, that's what my brain was saying. Clearly, me guessing names. It doesn't matter how many clues you give me. I'm bad at it regardless. You really are. And it's hard because this is like, you're never going to guess the word Ambrose. But it is funny that your first guess was Jack. (laughs) So it's quite a ride. Oh, well, you know what? Actually, I should have given you this. I knew there was a character who had three names and the middle one was Ambrose. And it's Jordan Fisher's character in the second to all the boys movie. John Ambrose McLaren is his name. So I could have pointed you there. Yeah, but I've never watched that sequel. So that wouldn't have helped me. Yeah, I tried. <laughs> you tried. I, I, I'm sorry to spoil it. I could have made you wait until next week, but I know as soon as we log off, you would have looked at a map. No, I'm I'm glad you said it because I, I would have been like Stefan slash Meridian withdrawal. I would have needed to know. So what do you think Ambrose went to Memphis for? Is it just to have more fun killing people? That's my first thought. Although I guess he could do this thing wherever. It doesn't need to be Memphis. But he just got it's out like, of hell. He wants to go to a familiar place. He wants to go home. Yeah, I guess that's just his city. Maybe he's going after specific fraternities. Maybe he's really mad he didn't get rushed. Do you think that's why he goes after fraternities? Because he couldn't get a bid? <laughs> no, but also because famously I was in a sorority, which is the oldest sorority, but it was technically a fraternity when it was formed name-wise, and that was 1852. So they haven't been around that long. Yeah, I was going to say, I th- do you think there's going to be a little bit of culture shock for him with how fraternities and sororities have changed since the 1880s i mean he must already be shocked walking into this house because first of all this is the loudest he's ever heard music in his life yeah there's different colored lights and there's all these like sugary drinks that he's never had before like there's a lot of information being thrown at him i mean cars alone had to be a shock oh yeah so he seems to be handling it quite well overall so i think he's ready to kill I don't think he'll be working through too many other houses. I think they'll catch him pretty fast. I mean, they know what city he's in. Yeah, he told them where he was going, and Rick seems to have his number. Well, and now that, you know, there's no Mercs, everybody's out of the stone, Raina's life isn't linked to anyone, I mean, and she's going after a serial killer. Let's just say it looks pretty bad for Raina. I wouldn't be shocked if she doesn't make it through next week. Yeah, what do you think is next for Raina? That she's going to go hunt these vampires? You think this is going to get to her quick? Like, what's Raina's story from here? I think she's going to try to find fake Stefan, and I think he will kill her. Okay. Whether he knows she has one life left, whether he knows what that is, I mean, I think she doesn't have her sword, and she can get her weapons, but the sword helps significantly. 
And if he sees her, he's going to be like, hey, you're the bitch who put me in that hell. Exactly. Maybe he won't kill her. Maybe he'll make someone at the fraternity or sorority kill her, which will be a fun little close to her story after she had to kill her dad. I mean, not fun for her. Yeah, but an interesting, let's say. Yeah, interesting full circle moment. For the viewer. Yeah. And for her a little bit, I think once she has some time to separate herself from it, I think she'll recognize the story of it. Appreciate the narrative flow. Yeah. That brings us to the end of this week's episode. As always, if you're enjoying Vampire Diaries and or Doppelgangers, please tell your friends and give us five stars rating and review on Apple and Spotify podcasts. And follow us on Instagram at Doppelgangers Podcast. But that's it for this week. Until next week. Goodbye, brother. Goodbye, brother. Goodbye, brother.